Okay, how are we doing? Can you hear me there at the back? Yes. Oh, I always get that, don't I? At least I know from Adrian that he's with me. Fantastic. And uh, brilliant to see Otilly here, isn't it? And mum and dad doing so well. Absolutely fantastic. And again, welcome to those. Uh, if you're uh, here for the nth time, sorry, mathematician, uh, for many times, or it's your first time, um, we really welcome you this morning. Um, just to give you a bit of a story to start with, I was uh, sitting uh, and listening to David uh, preach just before Christmas, I think it was about a month before Christmas, and he was talking about, in his sermon, might have just been a really short pop, you know when somebody speaks and it's just a few words that speak to you, and he was talking about the importance of being filled or being baptised with the Spirit, and I thought, oh, I really feel that, that's really important, I felt, and then during coffee, Steve said to me, oh, Bob, would you like to preach after Christmas? And just felt that little word of the Holy Spirit saying, and now you know what to preach on, don't you? So, tentatively, I will preach this morning on baptism with the Holy Spirit. And there's a little subtext to that, um, without being weird. Because sometimes, when we think of the Holy Spirit and the movement of the Holy Spirit, we think about things being weird or odd, don't we? That's the way we think about it. I'm also aware that in front of me, I will have people who have a huge range of experience, of understanding of what it means to be baptised with the Holy Spirit, and also a huge range of emotions that go with it. And I realise I'm walking in some ways on eggshells this morning, realising that um, I've got to make sure that I say things in the right way. Um, I also kind of feel that I could probably, what we could do a six-week series on this, we could start in the Old Testament, couldn't we? Start right there in Genesis, we could go all the way through, um, we could talk about it from all sorts of different perspectives, and I have one week. So if you don't mind, I'm going to go straight in, um, and please do come with me. Uh, first of all, um, three books I want to just say have influenced what I've said today. Uh, the first one is by Terry Virgo, who's uh, the father of our broader group of churches, The Spirit-Filled Church, a really good book talking about the effects of being filled with the Spirit on what happens to a church and a group of churches. Really important. Um, I should have them here. There we go. That's that one there. Thoroughly recommend that one to you. If you haven't read it, it's brilliant to read. The next one I haven't read all of, but I'm absolutely loving it, and that's this one here, which is by Mike Pilavarchi and Andy Croft. Always a brilliant anything that Mike Pilavarchi does or says, particularly uh, to do with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he calls it Everyday Supernatural, so it's kind of about walking with the Spirit, and it's living a Spirit-led life without being weird. And that's uh, a fantastic book. I'm, as I, said, I haven't got all the way through that, um, but I'm loving what I'm, I'm reading. The third one I haven't got to show you because I've only got it electronically, and that's one by R.A. Torrey, Reuben Archer Torrey. What a name. I think that's brilliant. Uh, who was born around the 1850s, uh, had about a 70-year ministry. Uh, you may or may not have heard of, but his book on baptism with the Spirit is outstanding. It's a small book, 
is really clear, and I will be referring to him. Um, so if you're interested, um, and if you're like me, you like reading small books, then that is a brilliant one to have a look at. Um, my verses that I'm going to focus on today are in Acts 2, and they're verses 38 and 39. They'll come up on the screen, um, and uh, I'm using the ESV version. I'm actually going to start slightly before, because it's important to give context to Scripture. So this is after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down on a whole group of people, and they were speaking in other languages, and people were saying, are these men drunk? What's going on? And Peter stood up. And uh, just going to read slightly beforehand, and then we'll come to those verses. Therefore, Peter said, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, brothers, what shall we do? And so in answer to that, brothers, what shall we do, that was said by a whole group of people with different experiences, different knowledge, different nationalities, this is what Peter said to them. And he said this, And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We ask that you'd come and you'd be with us. You'd uh, help me in my communication words, Lord. You'd help our hearts to be open to you and to the movement of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we don't want to have anything to do with dead religion. Lord, one that just puts burdens on people. But Lord, we so much want your life-giving Holy Spirit to be part of everything we do, to give us power for living and power to make a difference in this post-COVID world. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know what your initial thoughts are on that passage. My initial thoughts are, well, we start off with repentance. There's an element of talking about baptism. There's this phrase here of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is talked about here as a gift. And there's this promise for everyone. So if you're saying this morning, is it for me? Just have a look, because it, it's almost like Peter is saying here again and again, it's for everyone. No, it really is for everyone. Do you know what? It really, really is for everyone. Because it's for you, it's for your children, for all who are far off, and for everyone who calls the Lord our God to himself. So the gift of the Holy Spirit here is for everyone. Now, I don't know 
your background. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my background this morning. I'll give lots of examples because I think they really help. But let me just take you on a bit of a logical journey. We um, would call ourselves a Christian church, wouldn't we? So we would say that we are in some ways religious. And most religions, maybe not all, have an element of the supernatural to them, don't they? In fact, if you came this morning and you've never been into a church, the fact that somebody said that there's an element of supernatural to Christianity, that wouldn't seem strange, would it? Because there's got to be... Surely that's the whole idea of a religion, that it's a supernatural element. But sometimes we, even I say myself, we kind of veer away from that towards logic and towards explanation and towards talking about things in a sensible way and we drift away from the supernatural. I don't know, maybe it's easier. It's not that we shouldn't be logical. Now, it's not that we shouldn't examine things well, because of course we should. But sometimes in all of us, there's a movement away. And I feel, and you may disagree with me on that, on this, but that actually, um, in our day and age, actually a number of churches who would call themselves charismatic or Pentecostal actually have moved away a little bit from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I feel it's really important that that's one of the key things. Notice I quoted Terry Virgo there. And I'll quote one or two other people later. Let me talk a little bit about my testimony so you can see where I came from on this. Um, I became a Christian uh, at a school Christian union. Um, And uh, when I became a Christian, uh, I became a Christian into a completely atheistic family where they didn't believe in God. Absolutely not. In fact, it was a slightly mocking family about God. And I kind of, I was part of a, uh, an Anglican church that I kind of went to from school. Um, and I began to see a little bit of the community of the church that I loved and begin to understand a little bit about it. And then, do you know what? There were, there were one or two experiences that happened that made me a little bit negative about the move of the Holy Spirit. I can remember once um, I didn't go to an evening meeting at the Anglican church and they talked about it. Other people talked about it. It was awful. Somebody spoke in a tongue. It was weird. It was so strange. And everybody had a different opinion. You know, it it kind of, it, it was kind of, this was a mistake. How do we, whatever. Some people, a few people got very excited about it and two didn't. And me being further away from that, I thought negatively about that. I thought that was unhelpful. That's not what Christianity is about. And of course, God has a way of speaking to you and changing your mind about things. Um, And uh, I'm not saying all of this puts me in a good light. Please don't think it did. But I then went to university and I would say my life wasn't very different to the other people around me. I wouldn't say I was distinctive by my honouring God or honouring my parents, or honouring my studies in any kind of way. I'll just be honest, I'll let you fill in the gaps. Um, But I did meet a group of Christians who were different. They weren't weird, but they had a love for Jesus. There was something different about them. They were, when they read the Bible, it came alive to them. When they 
They talked about speaking to other people about Jesus. They had a freedom when they sung, and they really enjoyed it. It was something different about these people. And then I found out why. They warbled. That was my rude word for speaking in tongues at the time. Just for those that you don't know, if you've not heard of the gift of speaking tongues, it's just a kind of a gift of speaking other languages. That is, it's a kind of this spiritual gift. Anyway, I called them warblers. I had a cynical word for them. I thought, well, that's them. They're obviously weird. And I'm not weird. I may still be a Christian, but I'm putting them out on the other side. That's what I thought. And then, as often happens, God begins to soften you and speak to you, doesn't he? And he began to do that with me. And I began to realize that their life was more like Jesus than mine. And they knew more about more Jesus than I did. They understood the Bible. And I began to say, oh my word. This being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, maybe it's not quite as bad. And I began to think deeply about it. And it was a real challenge for me. A real challenge, a real battle. And then I, uh, again, this may sound a bit strange, but I'm just being honest about my experience. I'm sure everybody here would love to share their experience and do share it during the week. But um, I went with a friend to Pentecost Praise in St. Albans. Is it Cathedral? Abbey, I think it's called. I don't know if you know St. Albans. Big place, lots of people. Bishop David pitches at the front. Um, And... uh, as, as we were there, it was about Pentecost. It was about being filled with the Spirit. So I talked about it, quite a simple sermon. I kind of understood it. And then he said, come, Holy Spirit. And, oh, my word, I heard this. As people went over and kind of hit the chairs as they fell back. There, were, there was some, you know, and then were, there were a group of people praying next to me for people that were filled with the Spirit. And, and there were a the whole range of Christians there. There were some nuns as well. I mean, it really, it was one of those experiences. And I thought, do you know what? There's something of God here. So I can remember going up, being a real fool because of everything I'd said before, going up and saying, okay, will you pray for me? Didn't want to. And I just stood there and got prayed for. Thank goodness I've done that. Off I went. And I have to be honest, I don't remember anything I felt. Now, the next stage of the journey would take the rest of the preach, uh, my sermon to talk about. But that time of being prayed for had a huge effect on my life. In the next year, my life really turned around for Jesus. I was considerably different. um, And God really set the um, direction of my life at that time. It was a huge impact. I won't go into all the rest. Um, But it was just literally me stepping forward and saying, okay, I'm not sure about this. Will you pray for me? That's where I got to. Okay, coming away from the testimony for a minute, let me put a few quotes to you. John Piper, uh, who is a great uh, theologian and Bible teacher, not necessarily somebody you would associate um, with the movement of, of, of the Holy Spirit. He said this, about baptism in the Spirit. You will receive extraordinary power for Christ's exalting ministry. For Christ's exalting ministry. He then says, I think every Christian, that means me as well, oops, every Christian 
should seek fresh baptisms. In this sense, again, and again, and again, for effective ministry. Terry Virgo, in his book, Spirit-Filled Church, says, For me, being baptised with the Holy Spirit was like knocking over of a first domino in a line of dominoes which are still falling. The implications for my church life were radical. Notice here, again, let's just draw back a minute and just look at those two. Talks about being for everyone. This is element of a repeated experience. There's element that it isn't necessarily for me or for you, it's for that effective service. It's for making a difference for Jesus. And there's also that element that's right at the end of radical change. It does huge change, as I can testify in my life. Okay, I am aware around this subject we can all get a bit tongue-tied because there are phrases people use that worry people or don't worry people. So my, um, my next part is just literally going through some language. Strange thing to do, but I think it's important. First of all, baptism with the Spirit. What I mean by that might be slightly different to you, but baptism with the Spirit is an overflowing, it's a second experience to becoming a Christian. The second experience often can happen at the same time, but it's the second experience overflowing. And I tend to use the phrase, others don't, for the initial experience, the first time I talked about being baptised in the Spirit for that first time. But it can be used for any time when we feel we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The second one, filling with the Spirit. Filling with the Holy Spirit. That's the usual way of describing it, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The word baptizo means kind of overwhelmed or full, full up to overflowing. So filled with the Holy Spirit and that are actually very similar phrases. Uh, the next one, uh, which you may hear of, uh, particularly with certain people, is baptism with the Holy Ghost. And that maybe is a more old-fashioned phrase and maybe one that we move away from because of some of the connotations of what a ghost is or we think about or we've seen on a film but essentially that's a similar one, but maybe not so helpful. The other phrase that's often used in the Bible is something like being filled with power. And I really like that because there's a sense when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you do feel you're being filled with power, filled with power. But there's also an unhelpful element to that is because power could mean, oh, there's an impersonal thing that's just happening to me, you know, this kind of electricity is coming in. But actually, being filled with the Holy Spirit is being filled with the third person of the Trinity, isn't it? It's him that we're being filled with. It's a person of the Holy Spirit. It's not an impersonal force, but there is an element of power to it. Does that help in terms of the language and the way that we talk about it? I will use them all the way through in different ways in how I'm talking about it, but I hope that you are can go with me. Okay. Uh, let's next just have a look at Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18, don't have to look it up, but it's a well-known phrase. It says this, and do not get drunk on wine. I think that's a good phrase. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's an interesting connection with somebody who feels like they're drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's uh, an interesting one there. But be filled with the Holy Spirit is a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, that's not quite me. I'm, I'm not that sort of person, you know. I tend to just avoid these things, you know. I'll be very logical. That's me. You know, just, just leave me with my... But it says be filled as a command. That's a real challenge, isn't it? That's a real challenge. And there's an element here that it's continuous as well. So it's not just, Derek, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous element to it. So that we should be a people who are regularly filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? And that's something that we can all say that we need to do. I think the other, the other challenge here, again, goes, goes to this idea that we sometimes would rather our theology, I'm going to be a little bit challenging here, so please, please be nice to me at the end. Our theology would rather be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible. But it doesn't say that, does it? We can't get away from the fact it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He, be being filled with him. It's not an optional extra. It's not something we can tag on the end if we're very excited people. All those that want to talk about healing a lot. This is part of the normal Christian life. R.A. Torrey. I said I'd talk about him. Reuben Archer Torrey says this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for the purpose of cleansing from sin. There is an element I've talked about that my life changed. But for the purpose of empowering for service. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Notice this idea of witnesses. We are empowered for service. It's about serving him. It's not about me and me feeling better not actually about me inside changing although it will do that considerably it's about me being more prepared for the service of the king you want to be effective in praying for the sick be baptized in the holy spirit you want tots and tea to see amazing fruit be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want to know your calling and be more effective in what you do. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want to share effectively with your family, your friends, your work colleagues. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's that preparation, it's that anointing for service. Let me um, give you a little story. I said I'd try and uh, interspersed rather than uh, talking about a lot with a few testimonies. And this is from a uh, book here from Mike Pilavarchi and Andy Croft. And uh, this is Mike's story. I became a Christian two months before my 16th birthday. Straight away, I had a desperate longing to be filled with God's love, presence and power. And I heard that it was possible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I began to seek that. 
I asked God to fill me with his Holy Spirit for about six months, but nothing seemed to happen. I didn't know that I'd already had the Holy Spirit, because you can't be a Christian without the Spirit, which is true. Holy Spirit is with us in new birth. All I knew was there was something more I was experiencing, more than I was experiencing. I asked an older couple in my church to pray for me. They invited me round to their house and they prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill me. We sat waiting and waiting and they prayed silently. For a long time, absolutely nothing happened. Then, suddenly, I was overwhelmed by a sense of God's love. I began to laugh. And yet, at the same time, I wanted to cry. I had no idea at that point that laughter could be an outward sign of God's presence. It was just the overflow of an incredible sense of joy. It was though I could feel God's presence as a physical weight inside me. I both felt God's love in my heart and knew it in my mind in a completely new way. I realised the truth that he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. For weeks afterwards, it was as if I was walking on air. There was a sense of nearness of God. I went around saying, God's inside me. God's inside me. I remember sitting on my bed day after day, repeating, you love me, Jesus. You love me. God, you're my father. You love me. And I didn't get tired of it. When I read the book of Acts, I read about a bunch of people who were immersed in God's love. That is what happened to me. It was dramatic, it was wonderful, and I can honestly say it was life-changing. The Bible came alive in a new way. Prayer moved from being routine to relationship. Worship was an exciting adventure. It was all about being immersed in the presence of his love. What a fantastic example there of being filled, of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. There is um, an effect of praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the effect often is when you pray, as we're going to pray later, is that some people absolutely love it and other people go away feeling disappointed and negative about it. And I just want to say, I know this is, will be, if it's not a controversial issue in terms of a topic, it sometimes is in terms of experience. And I just, I just want to say that and I just pray that your hearts will be gentle uh, with me and with us all as God moves on us later. Okay, let's. Uh, I've got another slide here by R.A. Torrey, and he gives very helpfully a seven step process to being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's mainly based on Acts 2 38 to 39, but there are some other verses that he's used. It is thoroughly biblical. But. Baptism in the Spirit is not a stage-by-stage -stage process. It really isn't. It isn't a, I do this, and then I do this, and I do this, because it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes things happen in a different order, or it happens in a different way. Or, so I'm not trying to be prescriptive, but I just think those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit would probably say that elements of all of these, maybe not number three, but elements of all three these would be linked with it. So I'm just going to go through each of these seven one by one just to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You will have noticed repent is there twice. And that works well from Acts 2, verse 38 to 39. Repent 
and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So the first element there is repent. And when I think of the word repent, turn around, there are two elements to it. The first element is that when we first meet Jesus, we turn around our life. It is transformed from one where we're going our own way and following what we wanted to one where we have decided that Jesus is the way and we want to follow him. So there's an element here of repentance that it's turning around and it's changing your mind about Christ, number one. There's also an element here, it's changing your mind about sin. So that's the second repentance. The same thing, it's all wrapped together, but the second repentance. So there's an element here of changing your mind about sin, that you decide that you want God to help you to become more like Jesus, more holy, not doing the things you shouldn't do and doing more of the things you should do. Romans 14 verse 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. An element of here of having faith in Jesus. There may be people here who haven't made that first step towards becoming a Christian before deciding to follow Jesus. But I think many of us here just need to be reminded of what we did at that time. We decided to follow Jesus and we decided to change our mind about sin. Number three, stage three is a strange one. It's not one I would have put in here, but I want to be honest and, uh, and fair to R.A. Torrey and what he said. And he said, be baptised. He's talking about baptism being part of this journey. Why is that? And as I looked into it, the reason he's put it there is because when we become Christians, it's not just about keeping it to ourselves. The idea of baptism, it's a public declaration of what God has done inside, isn't it? We get saved when we're baptised. We go into the water, die to our old self, come out of the water to our new self. So it's about us being open with the maybe parts of our family who don't, we don't find easy to say that we're Christians or our workplaces or whatever. It's making that public declaration and... That, R.A. Torrey thinks, is important. Number four, be obedient. Acts 5, verse 23 says this, and we are witnesses to these things. So is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. There's an element here of obedience. It's not just when I became a Christian I decided to follow him. It's now. It's saying, Lord Jesus, not your will my way, but your will your way. I want to go your way. And sometimes we can, can be concerned and say, but, but if I follow Jesus, maybe, maybe, maybe it won't lead me into a path that I like. But remember, it is his good and perfect will. He knows the very best for us. So there's a sense of obedience here, that when we come to be baptised in the spirit, come to ask for that, that it's a step of obedience. It's even a step of faith. Repent, repent, be baptized, be obedient. 3.5, desire baptism with the spirit. I did just get 
at Pentecost praise to the stage where I wanted to be filled or baptised with the Spirit. I did get there, but it took me a while to get there. But if you don't want it, then you won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to desire it. You've got to want it. You've got to have the intense desire. And also a pure desire. Let me just talk about a pure desire for you for a minute. Some people may say, I really want to get filled with the Spirit because then I'll feel better. I'll get some inner healing. Things will change in my heart. My marriage will be better. This will work if I get filled with the Spirit. All those things may well be true. But the pure desire is to be filled with the Holy Spirit for his service. That's it. It's for his service. It's not for me. It's about wanting to be filled with the Spirit, to be empowered for service. And many other blessed things will be happened, happened as a byproduct. And then the next one, ask. We do have to be people that ask. Luke 11 verse 13 says this, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? To those who ask him. So we need to be those who ask. And then point seven. It says, believe by faith. You'll have noticed in both the two uh, testimonies, and I'm going to give you another testimony in a minute as well, there was a time when it didn't seem like anything happening. And for some people, that can be a very short time. But somebody like me, it was a bit longer. So you have to believe by faith. Mark 11:24, I think very relevant to this, says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Believe after prevailing prayer. You do sometimes have to be determined and prevail. And believe on God's word before your feelings. Not about feelings. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in a minute I'm going to um, ask people to stand. I'll ask Rachel to come up um, and play a little bit. And I'm just going to ask God to come by his power and to move by his spirit. You will be in, a, in one of many different places. And if, but if that is you that you want to ask to be Filled for the first time or filled for the nth time. Love the mathematician. That means as many as you want. Just so you know. As many times as you want. Then I'm just, just going to ask you to come. We'll all stand and just to put your hands out in front of you. But I know for some of you here, you will say, well, what on earth is going to happen then? And the answer is I don't have a clue. Because he, by his Holy Spirit, will move in a way that he moves. But here are some of the things that I have seen, and I'm sure many of you can testify to many more. Sometimes people laugh. They get that joy that's come in one of the testimonies, hasn't it? They're, sometimes people feel warm, particularly sometimes on their hands or, or whatever. Sometimes people cry. That's not always bad crying, because we know we can cry in terms of good crying as well, can't we? Yeah? Sometimes people shake and sometimes people even fall down and sometimes people just stand there. But that's all okay. That's all okay. And if you don't mind, I will be quite instructive as we go through. I'll talk about it because I know for some people, they will think, oh my word, Bob has gone weird. 
can I get out as soon as possible? So I will talk it through, if you like, if that's okay, just to help people feel comfortable with what we're doing. It may be that what you need to do this week is to go and talk to somebody about this. And he said, okay, I may have understood many things you do at Beacon, but this I need to talk to somebody about. I've already prepared Steve, he's going to have a busy week. Okay, and he's very, he's not moved. He's very happy for you to talk to him, or I'm sure all those that, that you know here, who've been here for a while, would be very happy to talk through. I'm sure John and Joe would be very happy to talk through with people this week, wouldn't you? Please nod. The heads didn't go up and down like I hoped. Oh dear. Um, what about changes? What might happen to you over the medium to long term or even today? You might speak in tongues. You might get to the stage where you start praying and you speak in other languages, which can sometimes feel a bit strange and a bit weird, but that is a gift of the Spirit. We talk about gifts of the Spirit. If uh, you want to have a look in 1 Corinthians 12, don't do that now. There's a whole load of gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healing which I suppose you'll know when you pray for somebody for healing. There's the gift of tongues, the gift of a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, all those kind of things may happen to most people. But also there's the element of fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All those are something that I really feel that if you are filled with the Spirit, you will, in a sense feel different in terms of the fruit of the Spirit. You will, people will actually notice that in you. Let me just read uh, another testimony, and this is from Andy, Andy Croft. He had a long, there's a long testimony in here. I'm just reading a part of it, because obviously for him it was quite something that he battled with for a while. Um, at one of the evening meetings, so he obviously, he went to a meeting um, uh, with Mike Pilavachi, I went forward for prayer to receive the Holy Spirit, saying, come on then, God, you need to fill me with your power. It was like getting the Holy Spirit was the next thing on my list of things to do. Nothing happened. I stood there getting more and more frustrated, but felt nothing. One of the team came over and said he saw a picture of me being like a stone in a river. The water was flowing over me and around me, but not into me. And that was exactly how I felt. The next day, I went down to the beach for a walk, trying to get my frustration out. I threw pebbles into the sea, saying to God, I want to surrender to you. I want to give everything to you, but it's so flipping hard. I'm reading that. That's what's written here. Uh, I bumped into the same team member, and he could see I was upset and offered to pray with me that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said something that I'd never forgotten. Andy... Your problem is not what God's going to... <clears throat> Let's say that again. Your problem is not that God is going to let you go. It's that you won't let go. He suggested we both pray in tongues. And after a while, I began to laugh. I thought it was just at this strange situation I'd found myself in. I also felt like something had been released. Afterwards, I walked back into the meeting and found myself throwing my hands up in the air, jumping up and down as I worshipped the Lord, a far cry from my usual control and restraint. For the next week, I found everything hilarious. I had a new joy, a new lightness that still makes me smile when I look back on it. I've often seen God fill people with joy during worship and ministry times 
And that was what God had done for me. It just happened rather than it being in a meeting. The joy overflowed from me during the following week. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, where's, where's Rachel? Rachel, are you happy to just come up? Rachel's not necessarily going to play a song for us to sing. We're just going to um, have some music in the background. Can I, ask, can I ask you to stand if you're able? And uh, I'm just going to pray. And uh, we'll give this a bit of time. I'm sure at some stage the time will be curtailed as the little ones race in. Um, but we want to give a time for God, the Holy Spirit, to come and to touch us.